0: Well, Bolin Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent said & Brand sheets get softer with every single wash. Bolin Brand sheets are made from the finest one hundred percent organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable, Bowling Brand sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. They're luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bolin Brand gives you a thirty-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. Meghan Markle accuses the royal family of racism, Joe Biden blows out the spending with a $1.9 trillion bill, and the media insists that censorship isn't actually censorship so long as the stuff being censored is the stuff they don't like. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, Some of what we're going to talk about today involves big tech and how they are cracking down on people who do not think the way they would like you to think. Why would you hand them all of your data? There's never been a more important time to protect your internet activity than right now, which is why I urge you. To get ExpressVPN, everything you search for, watch or click online, can be tracked by big tech companies. They can then match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When I switch on ExpressVPN with my computer or phone, my IP address is masked by a secure VPN server that makes it harder for websites to identify me. The ExpressVPN app also encrypts my network data to protect my sensitive information from being compromised. Plus, you can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously so multiple users on your network can stay safe with a single subscription. What I like most is how easy it is to use. It takes just one click to protect all your devices. That's why we're rated the number one VPN by CNET and Wired. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies. Go with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben to get three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash Ben to get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben right now to learn more. Alrighty, so Over the weekend, Joe Biden signed into law a $1.9 trillion, quote unquote, stimulus package. And the vast majority of the stimulus package is passed to his friends. It's hundreds of billions of dollars to blue states that have run their business like garbage. It is hundreds of billions of dollars to union cronies and allies. It is a giant waste of money. Again, the reality of the situation remains that the United States economy is on the uptick. COVID seems to be waning. It seems like it's coming to an end, thank God. It looks like we are nearing herd immunity as predicted by Professor Marty Makari over at Johns Hopkins University. And it looks very much as though the economy is in a state of recovery as well. We are down to 6.3% unemployment, which lest you forget is actually like kind of a not horrible unemployment rate. It was a fairly decent unemployment rate during Barack Obama's tenure. And the economy is climbing out of this, especially as states reopen and states all over the country are reopening. So now was the perfect time. It was a vital time to blow out the spending and to get Americans addicted to more taxpayer cash. Because here's the thing. In the middle of COVID, when you had to shut down the entire worldwide economy, when people were barred from going to work, it made some sense for the government to provide you redress. As I said at the time, if the government drives a Ford F-150 through your business, at that point... It's essentially a takings, and they have to recompense you for, for the fact that they drove that Ford F-150 through the front door of your business. Okay, but now, your business is open, and the government's still sending you money. And so now, we are now in a position where the, where the federal government is essentially attempting to addict you to the drug of free money. And many people are going to take them up on that, because why wouldn't you? The check arrives in the mail, and you are going to use that check. Let's face this. The $1,400 checks that just went out, they are not done on the basis of unemployment. And we already have unemployment benefits that have been extended, something like $400 a week. Those unemployment benefits have been going throughout the pandemic. They were, the, the rate was raised. They have been go, Those checks have been going out. Yet we are sending people $1,400. And not just $1,400, $1,400 per person if you are below a certain threshold income. So you could, and for your kids. So you could be making more money by staying home from work than you are by going to work, given these checks. And yet we're being told that this is somehow... Deeply necessary for an economy that's already in a state of recovery. It's just a lie that this is targeted. It is not targeted. According to the Brookings Institute, we're going to have about a $450 billion shortfall this year, thanks to COVID, in terms of GDP growth. And yet we just blew out the spending to the tune of at least four times that. And that was what was in this bill. What it really was about, again, was giving people a taste of the drug so that then they need it then you want the government to continue to send you checks. When Joe Manchin, the supposed moderate from West Virginia, when he says that this targets relief to people who need relief, that is just not true. It does not target relief to people who need relief. It is not targeted at all. It is not done on the basis of unemployment, which theoretically should be the way that it is done. If you're unemployed because of COVID, that's one thing. But if you've been working this whole time, then why in the world are we handing you a check? That makes no sense at all. And yet here is Joe Manchin defending it.
1: In this bill, we targeted where help is needed. We were able to target basically the people that need help the children that need help, the schools that need help, the people on the front line, all of America. That's what we were able to do. And a lot of that was by talking with my colleagues and negotiating back and forth. And I was able to channel that through, I think, and hopefully make a bill that is a much more encompassing bill. I think it's a great Mm -hmm. piece of legislation, going to help a lot of people.
0: Okay, And and again, the idea that you're helping a lot of people by blowing out the spending for all future. I mean, let's be real about this. We are not spending more money than has ever been created by God or man. There will be inflation that follows this. It is just a question of when because you cannot continue to spend like this and then assume that the economy is just going to make up the burden. This is true during Bush. It was true during Reagan. It is true during Obama. It is true during Trump. And it is true now. At a certain point, the bill will come due. I understand that everybody out there thinks that modern monetary theory is a reality, that we can just continue to blow out the spending this way and it will have no actual consequences. That is not the case. There will be consequences because there are always consequences. What goes up must come down. Gravity does apply in economics. And the notion that you can continue to spend this way and inflate the currency in order to do so, especially at a time when the economy is in full-scale recovery, and effectively speaking, you're redistributing from future generations to our generation, and you're also redistributing from open states to closed states, that this is going to have no consequences at all on economic growth, I find that quite hard to believe. But the media's angle here is that it wasn't enough. Like Jake Tapper over at CNN, who had himself a weekend. Jake Tapper said to Joe Manchin, you know, it's, it's amazing. Why were you fighting for less during this terrible time? It's true. Everybody in, in the country, everybody who earned, you know, under a couple hundred thousand dollars probably should have gotten a hundred thousand dollar check. I mean, as long as we're just handing out checks, why 1400 bucks? Where are these numbers coming from? And the answer is they're coming from nowhere. The answers are just coming directly out of people's rectums in the same way that $15 minimum wage comes directly out of somebody's rectum. Yeah, I remember asking the creator of $15 minimum wage as a, as a philosophy in the United States, Shama Sawant in Seattle, right? a city councilwoman who's a socialist. She's the one who started the whole $15 minimum wage movement. I remember asking her on stage, why $15? Why not $1,000 an hour? And she had no answer for it. She had just come up with it. The same thing here happened with $1,400 or $2,000. And yet the idea from, from Jake Tapper here is why aren't we spending even more money? We should, like, why, one point, why not $8 trillion? I mean, after all, money's free. So after changes that you pushed for, enhanced federal unemployment benefits now expire about a month earlier, and there's
1: a new income cap for writing them off on your taxes. I have to say, you represent one of the lowest income states in the nation. Why were you fighting for less help for citizens during this cruel economic time? Well, Jake, first let me just say it's always good to be with you, okay? And next of all, uh, all I did was try to make sure that we were
0: targeting where the help was needed. Okay, we didn't target where the help is needed. Okay, all, It's just a redistribution program. Because again, it's not targeted toward the unemployed. It is targeted just toward, on the basis of income, which is not quote unquote where the help is needed. If you're talking about where the help is needed, where the help is needed is for people who got thrown out of their jobs by the pandemic. Okay, those are the people that government is stepping in to help theoretically, but that's not really what they're doing, right? They're, they're bailing out poorly run states. Get into, in a second to the media's real reason for, for celebration today. This is the transformational moment. Hey, Joe Biden is now a more transformational president than Barack Obama was because he has now instituted a wide variety of measures that are going to be incredibly difficult to claw back. Obama's transformation came in two forms. One was a cultural transformation in which we moved from the era of race-blind meritocracy, or at least that was the ideal. We moved from race-blind meritocracy as an ideal to wokeness as an ideal. That was his number one transformation. And his number two transformation was Obamacare right? in terms of governmental transformation. that was a big piece of legislation. Joe Biden's legacy, at least thus far, is going to be taking wokeness and putting it at the center of all government policy and then instituting all these massive government programs that addict the American public to, to taxpayer cash in a way that hasn't been done really since the 60s, really since LBJ. We'll get to this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that your email service, you think it's free, but you're paying with your privacy. Those companies have access to every email you send and receive. And here's the thing. Why would you trust a big tech with your emails? I mean, that's your most valuable data. Not just, you know, in terms of finances, but in terms of the stuff that you're sending to your friends and family. Well, Startmail keeps your email private, period. And my email. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. Which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell my personal information ever. Not even Big Brother can snoop around your email. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in Dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it is gone forever, as opposed to some of these other big tech companies where you delete it, and um, they still have a record of it. Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's. They can't be put out of business the way that, that Parler was thrown offline. Startmail is backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited Anonymous aliases, this feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company, but you want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information that way either. I love this. It is so great. Protecting my data via my email is something I'm deeply concerned about, and Startmail makes it happen. I don't trust big tech, neither should you. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today. You get 50% off your first year, which is a great deal. Go to startmail.com. That That is Startmail with a T. Startmail.com. Startmail.com/ben dot com slash Ben for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash Ben. Okay. So the media are in full celebration mode. A piece of analysis from the Washington Post. And I got to say this headline, you couldn't write this headline in North Korea. It'd be, the fear would be that it would be too sycophantic. Here's the headline. Biden's stimulus showers money on Americans, sharply cutting poverty and favoring individuals over businesses. Wow. You might want to Smoke a cigarette, take a cold shower after that one. Headline writers over at the the Washington Post. I mean, this thing, it's showering money on America. Showering. I mean, the money just came from nowhere. And all that happened is that Joe Biden just turned on the spigot, and now he is showering you in joy. I know it sounds weird, but that's what he's doing. He's sharply cutting poverty. Wow, amazing. Did you know that all you had to do to cut poverty was just sign somebody a check? That that actually cures poverty? I mean, sure, we've been trying to do that for literally decades in the war on poverty. But if you do it again, probably it'll work this time. And favoring individuals... Over businesses, according to Heather Long, Alyssa Fowers and Andrew Van Dam, President Biden's stimulus package, which passed the Senate on Saturday, represents one of the most generous expansions of aid to the poor in recent history, while also showering thousands or in some case tens of thousands of dollars on American families navigating the coronavirus pandemic. Now, quick note about the hypocrisy of this media coverage. Um, Donald Trump pushed forward a two trillion dollar package while he was president with bipartisan support. And the Fed blew out the spending to the tune of another like three trillion dollars. And he didn't get this sort of headline. At no point did he get this sort of headline. And, and that was actually at least somewhat justified considering we are in the middle of a global coronavirus pandemic that had forced the closure of nearly every business in America. Right now we're coming out of this and Joe Biden is forcing this thing through, which of course is the reason why you still have the panicked talking heads on TV from the Biden administration talking about how COVID's going to kill us all. Because if ever the American people recognized that essentially they were completely shifting the nature of the, of the distribution of power between the individual and government, on the basis of a lie, which is that this coronavirus pandemic is going to continue for another year or two years or five years. If they ever realized that, maybe they would fight back. So you have to keep pushing the lie. That is, in fact, a large lie. The roughly $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, according to the Washington Post, which only Democrats supported, spends most of the money on low-income and middle-class Americans and state and local governments, with very little funding going toward companies, which, of course, if you want people to hire, you would actually give it to the companies, but they're not doing that. The plan is one of the largest federal responses to a downturn Congress has enacted, and economists estimate it will boost growth this year to the highest level in decades and reduce the number of Americans living in poverty by a third. Yeah, it turns out you can, quote unquote, boost growth by simply pumping money into the economy. Now, is that real growth or is that just the, go- the government pumping? Every time the government pumps, that is included in the GDP numbers. It's one of the problems with how you actually generate GDP. Okay, the GDP number is number of dollars spent. If you inflate the number of dollars spent by inflating the number of dollars in the economy, simply by just dumping a bunch of cash into the economy, by signing everybody a check, it makes it look like GDP is growing. The question of economic growth is really not about how many dollars are circulating. It is about the nature of the products and services that are being provided and the living standards of the people who are engaging in those products and services. A GDP is not a wonderful figure for measuring that particular sort of stuff when the government is explicitly gaming the system. This round of aid enjoys wide support across the country. Wait, you mean there's a poll that shows that people like free money? Who would have figured it out? Who? But the ambitious legislation entails risks, both economic and political. The bill injects the economy with so much money, some economists from both parties are warned growth could overheat, leading to a bout of hard-to-contain inflation. Yes, yes, that's true. Meanwhile, some businesses are saying government aid has been so generous, they're having trouble getting unemployed people to come back to work. Yes, this is correct. Unlike many significant anti-poverty measures passed by Congress, this one has a short time horizon. Almost all the relief for families goes away over the coming year. This could be an abrupt awakening for Americans who have grown accustomed to financial support. Yes, and this is going to be the pitch, right? By the end of the year, the pitch from Democrats is gonna be, we can't just get people off of the dole. people are reliant on the dole. This is, again, it's the taste, okay? It's not the actual cocaine mainlining, okay? This is the taste of the Coke to get people addicted to the Coke. This is the same thing drug dealers do. They give you the taste so that you get addicted. Indivar Duda Gupta, the co-executive director of the Georgetown Center on Poverty and Inequality says, this legislative package likely represents the most effective set of policies for reducing child poverty ever in one bill, especially among black and Latinx children. Uh, there's the, the code word to be a part of the member of the new ruling class using the term Latinx, which is used by zero Latinos anywhere in America. The Biden administration is seeing this more like a wartime mobilization. Again, code words. You can do anything when you claim it's a war. When you claim it's a war, you can confiscate wealth. You can force people to do things they don't want to do. You can completely remobilize the American economy in ways that it was not designed. They'll deal with any downside risks later on. Oh, oh, will they? So what exactly is in here? So apparently, here's the total impact of the three major coronavirus relief bills that have been passed over the course of the last year or so. $870 billion to state and local governments. Okay, That is all bailout money. That's just to bail out California and New York and, all, and Illinois and all the badly run states in America. Okay, there's another $865 billion devoted to, quote, other healthcare spending or other policies. There's $2.2 trillion that were devoted to stimulus payments, tax credits, unemployment benefits, health coverage. Again, all of this is designed to get people addicted to public money. And the New York Times, by the way, is being pretty clear about this. And the New York Times is being pretty obvious about this. They just say: listen, what we are attempting to do here is get people more and more dependent on the government and to essentially reconnect the idea that if you have kids and you can't pay for the kids, the government's going to pay for the kids. Now, listen, there should be social structures that are in place to help take care of children whose parents are unable to take care of them. But what we are setting up here is a rather perverse incentive that, again, incentivizes people to have kids without being able to pay for them, which is really not ideal. Okay, When you pay people to when you pay people for their kids, they tend to have kids in order so that the government will pay for them. I mean, that, that is just something that happened in the 1960s. It's why illegitimacy rates rose so incredibly high in virtually all communities, but particularly in minority communities. The New York Times says the stimulus bill is a policy revolution in aid for children. It's establishing a guaranteed income for families with children, except that the guaranteed income for families with children phases out over the basis of the income. So it's not a universal basic income connected with the, pri- the American priority of generating children. Instead, it is incentivizing people to have children and earn a low income, right? That is that is what it does. And now you can argue in favor of it or against it, but that is what it does, make no mistake. Okay, the, the, the basic goal here is to remake how Americans think of their government. And that is what Biden is. The era of small government is over. It ended under Barack Obama. It had continued under Trump. And now it has been exacerbated by Joe Biden, except you add a little bit of spice with some equity talk in there so that you figure that, not everybody is going to get the money. The only people who are going to get the money are the people who are adjudicated to be the most victimized in our American society. That's the way this is going to work. He is a transformational president. I'll give him that. I mean, he may not be, He may, Joe Biden may not be aware of it. Joe, may, I mean, the man not, may not be alive, but what he is doing in the first few weeks of his administration is indeed a fundamental transformation. He is materializing the third term of Obama. In Barack Obama's first term, he started pushing big government in a way, you know, a very open way that had not truly been done for decades. And then in his second term, Barack Obama really started to shift how Americans thought of themselves, right? He pushed identity politics up to wazoo. And then in his third term, which is really Biden, right? It's just Obama's third term. Biden is not even aware of what's going on around him. All of his staffers are old Obama staffers. He's merging the two. He's merging the equity movement and the big government movement to create this, this new America. That is the goal here. Okay, in just one second, we'll talk about what's going on With the Royals, because I know that people in my audience are fascinated with the Royals, but there actually is something kind of interesting to talk about there, and kind of perverse. We'll talk about that in one second. First, spring is springing as we speak. It is the perfect reminder to tidy up and get your life in order. Why not start by protecting your family with life insurance? Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers in one place and save 50% or more. Once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions you have along the way. Here is how you can get started. First, you head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need. You can compare quotes to find your best price. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare policies from as little as 15 bucks a month. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there is zero hassle. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, Policy Genius will take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. The best part? All the benefits of Policy Genius? Comparison tool handling of paperwork on biased advice, totally free to use. So while you are tidying up around the house this spring, why not get your life insurance organized as well? You could say 50% or more by comparing quotes. Feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. Head on over to policygenius.com today to get started. Okay, so in order for Joe Biden to sell this COVID package, he has to continue complaining that this is never going to end. The COVID pandemic is never going to end. Because in order to sell you on the idea that we can just continue blowing out the spending, he has to sell you on the idea that the crisis continues. If he had just campaigned as LBJ war on poverty guy without the pandemic in the backdrop, he would have just been Walter Mondale. In right? a, a a person who is a stalwart in the Democratic Party, pushing the same policies as LBJ that Americans mostly weren't super fond of. But using the pandemic, he's been able to push this thing through. Okay, Which is why you're seeing the Biden administration continue to proclaim that that COVID remains a world-shaking crisis. It is not at this point. It just isn't. Okay, that's, but don't ask Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci says our current plateau is unacceptable. Uh, According to whom? I mean, really, according to whom? Here's Dr. Fauci, the second greatest doctor in American government after Dr. Joe Biden. Historically, if you look back at the different surges we've had, when they come down
1: and then start to plateau at a very high level, plateauing at a level of sixty to seventy thousand new cases per day, is not an acceptable level. That is really very high. And if you look at what happened in Europe, a few weeks ago, they're usually a couple of weeks ahead of us in these patterns. They were coming down to,
0: then they plateaued, and over the last week or so, they've had about a nine percent increase in cases. Okay, so I mean, it's it's this plateaus. Accept it. Where are those cases coming from? They're the, the American young, who are not being hurt by this virus in anything like the numbers of the American elderly. Right, Dr. Marty McCarry put out a graphic demonstrating this. Okay, the graphic that he put out was actually put out there by Scott Gottlieb. And what it showed is that Americans are rushing out the vaccine for people over the age of 65. Okay, This week, we're going to cross 60% of those over the age of 65 vaccinated and 70% of those over the age of 75. Given the fact that those are the people who are most likely to die of COVID, what we are talking about right now is a bunch of young people getting COVID, which is... Not super dangerous. Okay, it is it is more dangerous than the flu, as I've said before, for people between the ages of 20 and 65, but not so much more dangerous that you're gonna stop living your life unless you have a serious pre-existing condition. That's why when you're seeing all these headlines about, wow, COVID's gonna spread on the beaches, what, to a bunch of 20-year-old drunks? So, I mean, seriously, so and then they're gonna go visit grandma. Okay, and grandma's vaccinated. So, that is literally the purpose of the vaccine. And you're reaching herd immunity. So I'm I'm failing to see the giant problem. Dr. McCarry tweeted out. Vaccinating older and vulnerable people first means deaths will plummet soon as cases linger among young people, which means it's more likely to have asymptomatic infections or mild nonfatal disease. This week, 10 states had days with zero deaths and another 10 averaged less than five days. That is progress. Okay, but you're not supposed to say that, right? If you point out that that's progress, then that undercuts the entire Biden argument for restructuring the American economy, for building back better. Hey, But even members of Biden's own administration are beginning to recognize that you can't say the kind of stuff that they've been saying that eventually people are going to buy, uh, are going to see the ridiculousness of, of what they are pushing. Dr. Michael Osterholm, who has been a COVID hawk all the way through here, he's director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy and a member of Biden's advisory board on COVID. He says the CDC should just recognize that people aren't going to be masking up until 2022. They're not going to do that though. Watch, Biden's going to continue to promote this thing long after it is a crisis because he is going to say that we needed the crisis in order for us to push forward this restructuring of the American economy. Here's Osterholm. If we
1: just tell people that they've got to stay cocooned, that they've got to stay in their homes, that they've got to continue
0: to wear their mask, even though they're fully vaccinated, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna disregard the public health recommendations. So we have to get real. And I worry a little bit that we
1: will basically stay with this idea that we've had all along, do this or else. And so I hope that the CDC guidance acknowledges that people are not going to do
0: uh, the extreme of staying masked through 2022. That's just not gonna happen. Correct, it is not going to happen. They'll continue pushing it. By the way, how seriously is the Biden administration actually taking COVID? Well, according to the Washington Examiner, the Department of Homeland Security is not going to test thousands of migrants before releasing them into the United States. They're not even gonna test them. They're just gonna release them. Obviously, deeply concerned about COVID. <laughs> All righty, in just a second, we'll get to the Royals. I know, you've been waiting on, with, with bated breath on tenterhooks for me to get to my commentary on Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. But actually, it's, it's not a, a small story. It's kind of important. We'll get to that in one second first. Let us talk about the fact that you don't want to go to an auto parts store. I mean, why would you? You stand in line for a long time, then you finally get to the front of the line, and then they don't have the part you want, and then they order it online, and then they upcharge you. Or you could just do what everybody does ordering products these days. You could go to the magic of the interwebs and use my friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market is going to bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? And by the way, that actually does happen. I mean, if you, if you look at the prices on rockauto.com, they are significantly lower than they are in auto parts stores. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The rockauto.com catalog, is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Okay, so meanwhile, the world is ending. It's ending because, oh my God, Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle, wow, what a hard life they lead. What a brutal, victimized, terrible, horrifying life they lead. It is so sad. Honestly, like when I think of victims in our society, the victims who come to mind are absolutely a guy who grew up a prince and also a B-rate television actress from Suits on USA Network who marries into the royal family and is shocked to discover that she has married into the royal family. And she learns, she learns, just like she would on a USA Network TV show, she learns that they are not up to woke par. They're just not. They're not woke enough. They're institutionally racist. And no one would have been able to, to say this before, but Meghan Markle is the first person to have married into the royal family of color. And so that means that she can see through her, through her woke colored glasses that the royal family is in fact a systemically racist and an evil institution and she can speak truth to power while living off of her mother-in-law, Diana's $25 million endowment. I mean, wow, the heroism, truly the victimization. So last night, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who, I mean, I gotta say, Meghan Markle, I'll just put it out there, I do not believe her. Not about her suicidality or any of that kind of stuff. I do not believe her when she acts like she's an innocent who walked into all of this. I don't believe it. I don't believe that she is just some, you know, she was just walking along like Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady. She was just a poor little flower girl. And then one day she was plucked off the street by Prince Harry. And she had no idea what the monarchy was and just found herself in the palace. And then she met the queen. The queen. And the queen and everybody else, they were... Racist. And that meant that she had to leave. She and Harry had to rush off to America. By the way, the one kind of unspoken part of this story that I do love is if America is so systemically racist, why did they run to America? Seriously, they could have gone anywhere and they came to the most systemically racist place on earth, America, replete with our, I mean, isn't she afraid that if she comes back with Prince Harry, she just went from the royal family, which is racist, to America, which is so racist that we elected Donald Trump. And also, our cops just shoot people on the basis of race. But she came back here, which is weird, right? So, America, maybe not as well, no. Yeah, but I think the real theme here is don't screw with us, Brits. You know, George III, he screwed with us and we defeated him. But we waited two centuries to unleash our most powerful weapon of all, an unhappy B-rate actress from a USA Network TV show armed with the power of woke. And she has come. She's like the Thanos of the royal family over here. She has come to erase the royal family. Finally, we are going to overtake the monarchy. All we had to do was send a woke actress to do an interview with Oprah. Okay, so again, nothing says lack of privilege and victimhood quite like you know, living off mommy-in-laws, $25 million, being married to a prince, using the newfound celebrity that you gained. Like, I'd never heard of Meghan Markle until she uh, until she started dating Harry, right? Had you? Uh, like uh, who, Who'd heard of her? I had to look her up. And I was like, oh yeah, she's the one who can't act on, on suits. Got it. All right. And then it turns out that uh, according to Piers Morgan, she's not particularly a nice person, which is unshocking. And, and now it turns out, according to the royal family, that she actually was kind of abusive to the staff while she was over there again. The allegations, not super shocking, but victimization means that you take all of this privilege, and I'm sorry, that's privilege. You act on a TV show for a living in the most prosperous society in human history, and then you move from that to being a member of a royal family. You become an actual honest-to-God princess with, like, the bajillion-dollar wedding and the train that runs for three miles behind you, and all this show and this pomp and this circumstance, and your entire life is going to be paid to shake people's hands. Right? That's Like that's what the royal family does. They exist just to be the royal family. It's not like they wield power. It's not like there's any responsibility that comes along with being a member of the royal family beyond just smiling and looking good and shaking people's hands. That, that's literally the job. Going to charity events and representing the history of Britain. That's it. But that's the point, right? Because the royal family is no longer actually powerful because they don't actually have any political power since basically the, the killing of, of Charles. Right? <laughs> they haven't had a lot of power in the, in the British system. For quite a while, well, I mean, it goes beyond that. George III was after. In any case, they haven't had it, since the 19th century. the The king of Britain has not had tremendous power. Okay, but because the monarchy doesn't have power, what they really stand for is the history of of, Brit- of, of Britain and the UK, and really, you know, deeply intertwined with the history of the West. And so, this is really more an assault on the institution of the monarchy in the same way that there's an assault going on right now in the history of the United States. Because that's really what the the monarchy stands for, right? When people look at Elizabeth, what they see is World War II and post-World War II and the history of Britain and standing up to the Nazis. And now what we're getting is that, well, you know, this institution, just like all Western institutions, is racist and terrible. And the way we know that it's racist and terrible is because they were mean to this B-rate actress who arrived on their shores, seeking only to be accepted, but was rejected based on the color of her skin. Okay, so I don't believe nearly any of that. I don't believe nearly any of that. I, again, call me cynical, but anybody who marries into the royal family, I think is just a little on the make. Okay, I think that you have to be, this kind of meat, cute, Hugh Grant-esque fantasy that people marry into the royal family because they just found love. I find this very difficult to believe. I find it very difficult to believe that people marry into the royal family because they just fell in love with members of the royal family. In fact, that seems not to be the history of the royal family in general. Royal families in general. That's typically not how it works. Okay, but in any case, Meghan Markle, <laughs> Meghan Markle. OK, so Meghan Markle does this interview with Oprah, and they've already been rejected from the royal family, right? They basically said, we want to stay members of the royal family, but we're going to be adjunct members of the royal family. We are going go to uh, go over to America and we're going to cut a Netflix deal, right? Again, none of this is privilege, guys. True privilege, true privilege is just you out there having a normal job. That's true privilege. Meghan Markle is a victim. She's a victim of the intersectionality that curses American society and apparently British society and the royals and everybody. And she she's the true victim here. And she had to talk about her victim on Oprah, her victimization on Oprah, did, did Meghan Markle. It's a hard life, man. A very, very difficult. I, I know you, you know, you lost your job, you lost your restaurant because of a COVID shutdown. You're not the real victim here. Meghan Markle is the real victim here. And the royal family is bad, you see. They're bad because they were mean to her. And the way we know that they were mean to her is because she says they were mean to her. And that couldn't be driven by a desire for fame or fortune or celebrity in any way, not in any way. This is, she was just a perfect innocent in all of this, right? And then when she left and they wanted to retain their sort of royal prerogatives while traipsing around America, picking up Netflix deals. And the royal family was like, nope, not gonna do that. Then she was even more of a victim because she'd been stripped of her princesshood. So now she is, so now she's going to go on Oprah and bitch. Well, by the way, the uh, well, well by the way, Prince Philip is uh, in the hospital at 99 years old. <laughs> Imagine his life, right? You go from, from actually serving in the British military during World War II, I believe, Prince Philip. You go from that, and then having your wife take over the monarchy of Britain after her father's early demise and facing the travails that, that Britain had after World War II and the social changes. And, and you've lived that whole life. And your life culminates as you're lying in a hospital bed, watching your grand, what is granddaughter-in-law, and watching your granddaughter-in-law call the entire royal institution racist. Yeah, that's a that's a life right there. And and a pretty good metaphor for America for, for all of Western society at this point. And people who fought to fight who really fought tyranny and spent their lives fighting against the Soviet Union and the Nazis and all this, and only to see their great-grandchildren and, and grandchildren call them a bunch of anti-woke racists who are terrible people. Yeah, the story of Western civilization in a nutshell right there. Okay, We'll get to what Meghan Markle actually had to say in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that you could be saving time and you could be saving money by not going to the post office. Now, a lot of good stuff at the post office, but why would you want to spend your time and money there? Instead, why don't you just stay at your office, stay at your house and do all the same stuff? Taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. With Stamps.com, you get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place. Here at Daily Wire, we've used Stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS directly to your computer. Stamps.com, it's a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller shipping out orders, even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all. With ease, simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It is indeed that simple. With stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. It's a no-brainer. There's no risk. With my promo code Shapiro, you get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments. No contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com. Promo code Shapiro. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All righty. We're going to get to more on the royal family. Again, don't mess with us, Brits. We will send you our crappiest actresses, and they will go on Oprah, and they will say mean things about you and collapse your entire monarchy with the power of woke. We'll get to that in one second first. What if the cops could go on strike at a moment's notice, or firefighters, in the military? That would be disruptive. Right? That would create chaos. Well, these are dangerous scenarios associated with public sector unions. In the latest episode of my new series, Debunked, I break down all of the known lies and platitudes most people are fed with regard to unions. For example, the teachers' unions only want what's best for the kids. They just want to reopen. Nonsense. Nonsense. This latest episode, it dropped this past weekend. It covers all of this and more. You have to be a DailyWire member to watch. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code DEBUNKED to get 25% off your new membership. That is code DEBUNKED for 25% off at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Plus, we have another one coming this week. You're going to want to see that one. Code DEBUNKED, 25% off at dailywire.com slash subscribe. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so let's actually get to what Meghan Markle and, uh, and Prince Harry actually said. Because, I mean, what difficult lives they lead. It is, it is one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. I mean, a prince grew up a prince, was shielded from his own idiocy for literally years. Remember, Prince Harry was a guy who just, back in 2005, dressed up in like a full-on Nazi uniform at a Halloween party. Right, so like Ralph Northam, would just never happened, right? <laughs> it's pretty incredible how, um, how that guy is now Captain Woke. So that's exciting stuff. Repentance is possible, people. All you have to do is take your entire family and just toss them under the bus. And meanwhile, Megan, what a victim. What a, I mean, what a difficult life she has led. I, I can't speak enough about what a heroine she is. I mean, just the, the amount of heroism that she displayed by going on Oprah and ripping on her in-law's family for, for fame and fortune. I, I mean, truly incredible stuff. She is, she, what a, it's tough, it's tough. I mean, so many tough things have happened to Meghan Markle. Like one time Kate Middleton taught her to curtsy or Prince Harry taught, Prince Harry taught her to curtsy right before she met the queen. You know, it's just because like, she was an ignorant American, you see, and then she was ushered into the halls. Back. But then she, she saw the flaws in the royal family in a way no one else could because she'd experienced American style racism. So she was shocked to see it in the halls of royalty. That's it. By the way, Netflix movie coming out in a year. Watch. Starring them, probably. Right, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe she'll recast herself, but I don't know. Maybe she likes seeing herself on film. Who the hell knows? In any case, here she was explaining, you know, the, Prince Harry taught her to curtsy. She was just a little down-home girl from, from, from America, and she came in, and she had, to, she had to learn the ways of the royals, but only she was able to identify their deepest secret flaw.
1: <laughs>
0: here we go, with Oprah.
1: Harry and I are in the car, and he says, Okay, well, my, my grandmother's there, so you're gonna meet her. I go, oh, Great, I love grandma. I loved my grandmother. I used to take care of my grandma. This is great. He goes, Right, do you know how to curtsy? I go, what? He said, Do you know how to curtsy? Now, I thought genuinely that that was what happens outside. Yeah. I thought that was part of the fanfare. Uh huh. I didn't think that's what happens inside. And yeah. I said, But it's your grandmother. He goes, It's the queen. Wow. And that was really the first moment
0: that the penny dropped. Oh, my God. She never realized she was supposed to curtsy before the queen. Um, so that's well, what a difficult. I mean, how difficult must that have been to have to curtsy before the queen of England? My God, how humiliating. You know, like every other human who curtsies before the queen of England or bows before the, the queen of England? Can't, can't believe it. Just just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And that's when the penny dropped. And she was about to learn of the predictions of the royals. By the way, it's not all on Meghan Markle. Harry's the actual villain of this piece, okay? Harry grew up with these people and now he's just dumping all over his entire family. Harry is a bag of garbage. Harry is terrible. <laughs> Harry was Captain, uh, Captain. I'm gonna dress up however I want to dress up. I'm gonna go to Las Vegas and get naked and smoke pot on the basis of my royal heritage. And then he's like, and you know what I'm gonna do now? I'm gonna take my entire family. I'm just gonna drive up this bus over them, back up the bus over them, because my wife wants to be a famous actress and wasn't very good in suits. Now she wants it. So I'm gonna go right along. The, the real villain here is not even Megan. Right? Megan is whatever Megan is. Harry is the one who's the villain. It's his family, right? So Whatever I think of Meghan, I think twice as badly of uh, of Harry. Okay, so, then Meghan Markle starts talking about how difficult, uh, she starts talking about how, how racist everyone was. And she relates a conversation in which apparently somebody asked how dark her son's skin would be. Now, this would be an excellent time for Oprah, being the interviewer, to ask, okay, can you name a name? I mean, that would be, the, the, if someone says something as overtly racist as how dark is your son's skin going to be? First of all, what kind of stupid, like, I'm just going to say it. I don't believe that happened. I don't think that happened. Honest to God, I don't think it happened. The reason I don't think that happened is because no one says anything like that. That's a ridiculous question. How dark is your son's skin going to be? I mean, like, beyond, like, the racism of it, the actual stupidity, like, the human stupidity of having to ask that question, do you not know what biracial children look like? Like, that's a, what? Because I don't believe this for a second, but here she is saying a thing I don't plus she's a, Maybe it's true and she's such a bad actress that I can't even tell that it's true. That's possible, too. Here is Meghan Markle.
1: In those months when I was pregnant, all around this same time, so we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born.
0: What? What? Cut away to Oprah looking all shocked. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and of course, she she connects the fact that that Harry, who is like ninth in line for the throne at this point, that, that Harry is not going to get the security. and He's not going to get all this stuff. And and again, Data, I believe at this point, they'd already decided they wanted to move to America. That that was going to be the basis for... That was going to be the basis. For, it was all about skin color. Of course, it was all about the rrr, rrr, racism. Okay, so she continues along these lines. And then she says that she wanted to commit suicide and the royal family would not get her the mental help that she required. Okay, now, again, I don't know the truth or falsehood of any of these statements. I do know that once you claim that you were suicidal, that you had suicidal ideation, then people generally should not question that. So I will assume that this is true. I also will assume that I have no idea what anybody else did around her because I don't think that she's a credible source about anything other than her own feelings. I think most people are credible sources on their own feelings, but people tend not to be credible sources when, when their self-interest is at stake. Here's Meghan Markle then trying to impute to the royal family a lack of care for her suicidal ideation, which is a hell of an accusation to make. Look, I was
1: really ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry especially um, because I know how much loss he's suffered. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I didn't say it, that I would do it, and I, I just didn't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore.
0: Okay, and then what she says is that she went to the institution, and they were like, you can't get outside help, because if you get outside help, then that is going to become a story in and of itself. Well, okay, first of all, Meghan Markle was a story from, like, the day that she joined the royal family, because she started lecturing everybody inside the palace about race. I mean, was, she was in the tabloids every single day. So that's number one. Number two, if you think there aren't healthcare workers on staff at the palace, I have doubts. OK, so I'm not going to question her suicidal ideation. I am going to question the story because, again, no names, no specifics. It is all these broad allegations that are being made. And in fact, post-interview, apparently Harry has now come out. and says, you know who it wasn't? It wasn't Elizabeth and it wasn't, it wasn't Prince Philip. It wasn't any of the people who people actually care about from the royal family. But they won't name names. OK, so this was pretty fun. At a certain point, Oprah actually asked Meghan if she left the royal family to brand build. And Megan is like, no, 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 no. Of course not. Here she was. There are even stories that you knew all along that this was going to happen. You went through the whole process, and it was all intentional to build your brand.
1: Can you imagine how little sense that makes? I left my career my life. <laughs> I left everything because I love him, right? <laughs> and our plan was to do this forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> our plan for me, I mean, I wrote <laughs> letters to his family when I got there saying, I am dedicated to this. I'm here for you. Use me as you'd like. There was no guidance as well, right? Mm-hmm. There were certain things that you couldn't do, but you know, unlike what you see in the movies, there's no class on how to how to speak, how to cross your legs, how to be royal. There's none of that training. That might exist for other members of the family. That was okay, not okay. Was okay. Okay.
0: Okay. The beginning, the beginning part of that. That's hysterically funny. I'm sorry. That's just from any angle. That is super funny. So Oprah's like, so did you like join the royal family, and then you knew that you were going to build your career that way? And she's like, can you imagine? Can, I left my career as a second-rate actress in a third-tier part on suits to be a princess and somebody would suggest that I did that for career purposes? No, I did it because I love this dumbass over here. It's gonna love the guy sitting next to me. This guy right here, Prince Harry, Captain Lovable. Love that guy. I mean, I left a job on suits, on suits. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure it was all pure love. Listen, maybe they love each other, that's fine. Uh, uh, sure, all right. Sure. I'm, I'm sure career had nothing to do that. that, that um, like, I'm sorry. That's, I left my job on suits and you're suggesting that maybe becoming a princess was a career move? A little. A little I'm suggesting <laughs> because um, that is not a horizontal move right there. I'm sorry. When you think of like horizontal versus vertical career moves, actress on suits to princess, Is that a horizontal move? I'm going to go no on that one. No. Okay, but again, Markle is not the actual villain of this piece. Meghan Markle is whatever Meghan Markle is. Okay, Prince Harry's the villain of the piece. He knows all the members of his family. He's the one who has decided that he is going to go along with whatever his wife wants to do here. And he's going to say terrible, terrible things about his family. And he's going to prove that he is morally superior to his family. So, for example, Prince Harry, he says that he is free. His brother and his father, they are trapped, but he, he is so free now. He's free like a bird and he is free to speak about the evils of his own family. First of all, people who dump on their own families typically ask jackasses, like not good people. Here here's Prince Harry, you know, but I'm I'm free. They're trapped. I I'm here with you, Oprah, with you. Here's Prince Harry, who again, worse than Meghan Markle. Please explain how you, Prince Harry, raised in a palace in a life of privilege literally a print, how you were trapped. Trapped within the system.
1: Like the rest of my family are. My father and my brother, they are trapped.
0: (laughs) They don't get to leave. And I have huge compassion for that. Wow. I mean, they don't get to leave. They're trapped. But I, I am free here with you, Oprah. And uh, and you know, I got cut off from the royal fortune. I only had, I could only live on my mother's $25 million endowment. That's really what they said. $25 million. Okay, so there's an actual deeper underlying thing that's going on here, and that has to do with racism and colonialism. There's been this move in Britain to do sort of what you've seen in the United States, which is the entire history of Britain is about colonialism and racism and brutality in the same way that the entire history of America is about racism and colonialism and brutality, right? This is all tied in. And Prince Harry backs that to the hilt. So he starts talking about how he's done the work, right? Other members of the Royal Family, they didn't do the work. He says racism drove him out of Britain. It was the tabloids and their racism. That drove him out of Britain. And then he says, quote, I've spent many years doing the work and doing my own learning, but then my upbringing and the system in which I was brought up and in which I've been exposed to, I wasn't aware of it to start with, but by God, it doesn't take very long to suddenly become aware of it. It takes living in her shoes for a day or those first eight days to see where it was going to go and how far they were going to take it and get away with it. Yes, yes. now he he's going to lecture the royal family on their race. Again, the only reason he's a relevant figure is because this is a relevant institution, but this is an attempt to tear down the institution. so let's be clear about what this is. okay, at least by Prince Harry. And you know I, I think that Markle is just bringing American brand racial politics to Britain and it's kind of it's kind of an ugly sight. It is kind of especially if you're not willing to name names because let's be real about this. If somebody said that as an employee of the royal family and they, she named the name, they'd be fired. Right now, there's an investigation going on into Meghan Markle, right? Not into the royal family. It's going on into Meghan Markle and how she treated the employees and the staff over there. The reason this has some deeper significance, though, truly, is because what everybody recognizes is that the British monarchy being essentially just a facade at this point, that it really doesn't have any institutional power. All it is is just a face for the history of Britain. And when Harry and Meghan make the case... That the British monarchy is rife with colonialism and racism, that they have not moved beyond any of that, that there is still this deep systemic racism that is inherent in the most beloved part of the British government, namely the figurehead. What they're really saying is that all of British history and really British society is infused with the same sort of systemic racism they accuse America of of having as well. That's what this is all about. And that's a pretty ugly accusation to make without any sort of supporting evidence. And it's a particularly ugly accusation to make when, again, you have been living off the fat of the land. Megan married into princesshood. He has been a prince his entire life shielded from his own, sh- from his own crappy decisions for his entire life. And, uh, and we are supposed to believe that they are the victims of systemic, brutal, British royal racism. It's, uh, it's pretty wild stuff, pretty wild stuff. But again, part of a piece, and that piece is, is something larger, which is the, the, broader, the, the broader attack on institutional institutional pillars in our society, even, even institutional pillars that don't have a lot of actual power at the moment. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Peer Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with PureTalk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage, and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch on over. Okay, so. Meanwhile, that sort of ties in with the broader argument that's happening in the United States about racism and cancellation and the cleansing of the American body politic. So what we have seen now is that our First Amendment press, the people who love the First Amendment the most, those folks have decided that cancel culture literally does not exist. It is not a reality. It does not exist in any way, shape, or form. And if you talk about it, it's because you're trying to distract. You really shouldn't be talking about about cancellation and destruction And book burning, you shouldn't talk about any of that stuff. Because if you talk about that stuff, it's a distraction from the real issues. Now, let's be quite clear about this. The book burning, the cancellation, all it is designed to do is create an ever-changing standard, a constantly shifting and moving line that anybody could find themselves on the wrong side of at any time. Because what that does is it creates an innate level of power for the institutional left. If they can cancel you at any time for any reason, then everybody lives in fear. They self-censor, which is what happened with the Dr. Seuss estate, right? They pulled down these books that were supposedly racist, which again, millions of people have read to their children. None of those, if anyone can provide me a study on how Dr. Seuss made kids more racist, I'm willing to hear it. Seriously, bring it. Bring me a piece of data. Name me the member of the alt-right who grew up looking at the page of If I Ran the Zoo over and over and over again to decide on white supremacy. It doesn't exist because that's stupid. Okay, same thing with McGillicott's pool, which has like a fish that looks like an Eskimo. And this is supposed to be terrible. Or, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, which has a picture of a Chinese person holding chopsticks. Like that has not made any single human being in the United States more racist, none. Okay, but if you sound off about this, then this means that you are racist yourself, right? And if you sound off about cancel culture generally, it's because you're not okay with American change, right? This is the, the case that I was talking about last week that was made repeatedly by members of the media. That really, if you're against things being canceled, what you're really in favor of is the racism, is the brutality, is the cruelty. Okay, cancel culture doesn't exist. So CNN had an entire segment with John Avalon and Margaret Hoover slamming the GOP and Fox News for focusing on Dr. Seuss. So again, it wasn't the GOP and Fox News that decided to get six Dr. Seuss books canceled. It was the left that decided to do that. And then the right said, I thought book burning was bad. And then the left says, why are you even focusing on the book burning? Because book burning is bad. Let me explain it real slow for you. Book burning is bad. But apparently, even paying attention to it is just a distraction tactic. Here are uh, the geniuses over at CNN. Let's have a reality check about Dr. Seuss for one second. And I love Dr. Seuss. It was not canceled, okay? His estate decided they would stop publishing several books because they contained illustrations that most people, if looking at them objectively, would say, ooh, That's pretty racist. Now, you can debate on individual books, but let's have the individual uh, images that cause the estate of Dr. Seuss to feel uncomfortable and have people defend them. This is not a cancel culture moment. This is a distraction play, and it should not be occupying so much headspace. Okay, so this is the move that folks on the left like to make when they actually want to restrict rights. Think back to Charlie Hebdo. Remember the Charlie Hebdo shooting? So Islamist terrorists decided to murder a bunch of people at the French essentially mad magazine, Charlie Hebdo, because they drew a, a perverse picture of Muhammad in a sex act or something. And do you remember that the hashtag I am Charlie Hebdo trended in the West? Because the idea was that you may not like Charlie Hebdo. They drew a bunch of stuff that was, I thought, extraordinarily anti-Israel bordering on the anti-Semitic. Okay, but they have every right to do that. I am Charlie Hebdo. The idea was that even stuff that you don't like ought to be defended as an exercise of free rights. Now, the move by CNN is the opposite. If you are not willing to defend a single Dr. Seuss page, right, the one that people are upset about, then this means that you are actually a hypocrite, right? You have to defend the page in order to defend the right of that book to still be distributed. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm willing to defend if I ran the zoo as a book. I am willing to defend the, uh, I'm willing to defend and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street on the basis of a simple fact those books have not produced more racism in American society by any measurable level, by any measurable. You cannot find an individual who's been made more racist by If I Ran the Zoo. Not one, not a single human. Okay, In other words, you're looking for things to be offended by. And then when you find something that you are offended by, you say, isn't this objectively offensive? And then people who were never offended by it before, they go back and they're like, oh, that does look kind of uncomfortable. And then they say, let's get rid of the literature. That is not the way a free society ought to operate. Instead, people ought to be able to consume what they want to consume. And by the way, people can use their best judgment and know these materials are not making people more racist. It's absurd. It's an absurd contention. It always was an absurd contention. But the idea from CNN now is that if you you don't think, if you don't love that particular picture in a Dr. Seuss book, how dare you criticize the Dr. Seuss state for taking this stuff down? Okay, so Kevin McCarthy, the GOP leader, he decided to defend Dr. Seuss would read Green Eggs and Ham, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me because Green Eggs and Ham is not one of the books being canceled. I would have read and to think that I uh, to think I saw it on Mulberry Street or if I ran the zoo, I would have just gotten up here and I just would have read it. Because, again, even if I don't love those particular images, even I could see why somebody might find them offensive. They have not offended generations of children or made anybody racist. Okay, but Jake Tapper tweeted out, one of the weirdest parts of this culture war is that the self-styled warriors aren't willing to stand by the empirically racist images they're supposedly defending. Green Eggs and Ham is not one of the books the Dr. Seuss Foundation has decided to stop publishing. Okay, now here's where it gets weird. You don't even have to defend those books to defend the right of those books to be distributed. Right, you don't. You can actually say, I don't like those books. I don't want those books in my house, but people should be able to buy those books. That is true for virtually all books. I think there are tons of books that offend me and I think are annoying and stupid, I don't think they should be banned. I think that objectively speaking, virtually all books written by members of the New York Times op-ed page are moronic. I don't think any of those should be banned. It's a bizarre bizarre contention, right? It's the same contention as we should get rid of freedom of speech because some people say the N-word. Okay, so I think that freedom of speech protects people saying the N-word. That doesn't mean they're protected from societal consequence, but, they are, but freedom of speech does protect the N-word. Am I defending the N-word? No, I think the N-word is awful and evil. I don't think anybody should use it, black, white, or green. And I do understand the differences between people of different races using it. Okay, but I don't like the N-word. I think it's an ugly word, and I think it should be extirpated from our use of language. Does that mean that you don't have the right to say it? Of course you have the right to say it. You don't have to defend material in order to understand there is a right to use material or see material. That's an absurdity. Okay, but the, the the move of the left is twofold. One is, you're not even willing to defend that picture, so that picture shouldn't exist. And two is, why are you even worrying about all this stuff? Sure, we're trying to cancel random stuff, but, you know, wh- what are you worried about? And the answer is, as you keep evolving the standard so as to maximize your own power, there is no standard. The standard just continues to get broader and broader. So over the weekend, we saw an attempt now to go after Speedy Gonzalez and Pepe LePew, right? Notice how they're going after all the kids' stuff. The reason they're going after all the kids' stuff is because they only want their standards taught in school. So it is very dangerous for your kid ever to watch a Pepe Pig cartoon. But it is also dangerous for you not to teach your four-year-old boy that he might be a four-year-old girl. In fact, it is mandatory that you teach your child about cross-dressing when they're five. Very important that you teach your kid about the virtues of cross-dressing. But if they watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon in which he cross-dresses for humorous purposes, then this is very bad and, in fact, terrible. And you can't do that. Don't worry. They're not trying to control your kid's mind. They're not trying to control how your kids are brought up. The same culture that says that Cardi B is excellent for teenagers says they cannot read a Dr. Seuss book lest they become racist. Yeah, I don't trust you guys. Well, Jahad Ali, who's an idiot columnist for the Daily Beast, he said, we are fighting about Speedy Gonzalez, Dr. Seuss, and Potato Head. The right wing is raising funds off it and we'll use it in 2022 for elections. Zero Republicans voted for the relief bill. Over half a million people are dead. There is a recession. What a dumb, nutty country. Well, I mean, first of all, why should they vote for the crappy relief bill? It was a bad relief bill. Over half a million people are dead and would be dead regardless of whether you were canceling people. It turns out that book burning is a bad idea. And so is going back and removing old cartoons. And you can show these to your kids or not show them to your kids and you contextualize them or not contextualize them. It is my job to raise my kid, not your job to raise my kid. This is the push. And again, if you think it's going to end with like a few Dr. Seuss books, here's the thing. They already showed their neck. They're going to come for Cat in the Hat. You know that's next. They've already accused Cat in the Hat of minstrelsy in some bizarre iteration. Again, cancel, but don't worry. It's all in your head. Cancel culture doesn't exist. There's a piece by A.J. Willingham over at CNN called It's Time to Cancel This Talk of Cancel Culture. What exactly is cancel culture? Is it someone getting fired for harassment or problematic views? No, that's a workplace doing its job. Oh, is that what it is? Even though you didn't define problematic. Is it a popular figure losing fans or affiliations because of past actions? No, that's the power of public opinion. Or it's cancellation, depending on the content of the past actions and its impact on their current job. My favorite part of this particular piece from CNN is that they actually cite, this, this idiot author actually cites Gina Carano as not being canceled because we hired her at Daily Wire. She was canceled and then we hired her. And what do you not understand about this? But again, if you point out that there is a censorious move on the left, then you are somehow either delusional or participating in cruelty and malice. By the way, as far as Pepe Le Pew goes, the entire joke of Pepe Le Pew is that he was a pervert. That was the entire joke. He loses. Pepe Le Pew is a bad guy. That's the whole point of his character. It, it, what, it, people, like, Pepe Le Pew forwards rape culture. Again, show me the person who watched Pepe Le Pew and then raped somebody. Is this common in the rapist community? I'm unaware. It seems to me that if you're going to connect content with effect, which is what you guys love to do, right? You like to suggest that Donald Trump is responsible for a riot on the Capitol because he said stuff and then people ignored the peaceful part and went rioted at the Capitol. But the content was connected with the action. So show me how the content was connected with the action with Pepe Le Pew. Show me the rapist who was desperately watching Pepe Le Pew late at night and then decided to go participate in quote unquote rape culture. It's it's so bizarre. And again, there's no end to it, of course. There, the, it, when, when they say the Dr. Seuss, so the original defense of the whole Dr. Seuss thing was, Don't worry, we're just stopping the distribution of new books, but you can still go to the library and get the books. CBS then called up libraries and asked whether they would remove Dr. Seuss books. Okay, which is when journalists do this sort of stuff, when they call up libraries, when they get the intelligent idea to start calling places and asking whether they're going to remove material, that is not journalism, that is activism. It's a soft way of pressuring these libraries into doing just that. So they called up these places. And as it turns out, yes, there are now libraries that are going to start removing this stuff. That was breaking as of this morning. There are libraries who are going to start removing these books from the shelves so that you cannot see these terrible, terrible images. And if you think it stops there, it doesn't, of course. LeVar Burton, who used to be the Reading Rainbow guy, now LeVar Burton's the the -the ban-the-reading guy. He says, you know, there's some Twain books that don't age particularly well. Maybe you should ban Huck Finn.
1: Talk about how you've seen this evolve over time. I'm sure there are books that maybe you've read or seen that were, you know, popular or bestsellers that in retrospect you might look at and go... That didn't age very well. Sure. Well, I mean, there are plenty. Um, Tom Sawyer,
0: Huck fan. They didn't age very well, guys. I mean, if they didn't age very well, probably we should remove them. Probably that's the best particular thing we could do is just get rid of material. And we can indoctrinate your children at the same time by virtue of just cleansing the marketplace. We can just cleanse it. This is why California is now proposing to ban boys and girls sections at big retailers. You literally will be able, you'll go to a toy store and they won't have boys and girls sections anymore. It'll be banned. You'll be punished for saying that boys and girls are different. Even though, just to note, boys and girls are different and they don't like the same toys. I have a boy, I have two girls and they don't like the same toys. And it makes it easier for me to shop when the toys are segregated by, by gender. That does not mean that I can't go over to the boys section and buy my kid a skateboard. I, I literally bought my daughter a skateboard yesterday. Okay, kind of a boy toy. So what? It's fine. But the, the notion that it's doing some sort of har- some terrible psychological harm, horrible harm, to have a boys and girls section of a toy store is idiotic in the extreme. But this is, this is the culture we want. It has to do with indoctrination. It has to do with cramming down a particular vision of society. And it extends over into the tech sphere as well, by the way. Apparently, both Google and Urban Dictionary are now censoring particular terminology. One of those pieces of terminology that they are censoring is the term Blue Anon. So the term Blue Anon, which was used recently by our friend Candace Owens, uh, th- that term refers to all the conspiracy theories the left has bought into over the past few years, right? Everything from the Russia collusion hoax to the Brett Kavanaugh rape stuff to Jesse Smollett to all of that. So Google and Urban Dictionary literally removed that term, Blue Anon. They took it down. I've never heard of a, a word being banned at any of these places, but apparently Google has censored searches for Blue Anon. You cannot even search for it now. Also, by the way, Google totally games its own system. Google is actively suppressing search results that do not acquiesce to traditional viewpoints of the left. I, I recommend that you install DuckDuckGo Duck, 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 on your computer rather than Google as a way to combat all of this. So the left is changing how you can receive information. They're teaching what kind of materials your children can access. So yay on the, on the transgender propaganda Nay, on the old Dr. Seuss books. And we are all supposed to just acquiesce to this and pretend that this is not in any way a violation of individual freedom or a change to the culture that is bad. We're supposed to just say, well, you know, that's the way the world works. Or we could stand up and just say no. That's the other thing we could do. Alrighty, we'll be back here for another hour later today of the Ben Shapiro Show. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles Show on today's episode. Michael will be talking about how 91% of the LA Teachers Union voted not to return to work That episode is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
1: Joe Biden showers money on Americans, according to The Washington Post. Top New York Democrats call on Andrew Cuomo to resign. And Meghan Markle whines about being a princess to Oprah. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider.